Well, the bloom may be coming off the rose in terms of the storied life. Il Duce, Governor Benito Cuomo of New York, has been living this past year under COVID, being held out as he was by the liberal media as some sort of miracle worker and managerial genius in terms of crises. Nothing could be further from the truth. This state has been managed right into a sewer. And now we have additional information coming in from an unlikely source, Letitia James, the Attorney General of the state of New York, who now says there's been drastic mismanagement of the COVID-19 virus in nursing homes and that nursing home deaths were underreported. Hi, everyone. I'm Jamie Dury, and welcome to another National Preview Online podcast. If you have not already done so, please subscribe to the show. We always open the show asking you to do that. We're in the infancy, in the podcast terms of the growth of our show. We only started this podcast in July, for you first-time listeners, of this past year, July 2020. And we are growing better than most. Uh, We are continuing to grow, but we still have not reached the point where we've become self-sustaining yet. So we would like you to write reviews for us and subscribe. If you subscribe, you'll always be notified when a new episode has been uploaded. And if you write reviews, we'll get more exposure when people search the various app stores looking for new news commentary shows. Three ways to subscribe. Very easy. For you iPhone or Android users, go to your respective app stores, the iTunes store, the Google Play store, and search the NPO podcast and subscribe. For those of you who prefer not to use your native podcast aggregator app, simply download in those same two places the free Podbean app. Podbean is our hosting service. You can download that app and subscribe that way and leave comments and also leave reviews on Podbean itself. However you choose to do it, We're grateful for you having done it, and we please ask that you do it and tell your friends about us. If you'd like to help support the show, we have on our website, National Preview Online, a link to a GoFundMe campaign which we started. And we're not looking for $100 donations or $50 donations or even $25 donations. We're just looking for a casual $5 donation from you folks. Because all that money is going to be turned around immediately and put into internet advertising. Uh, After we did the show for a few months, we uh, started an internet um, advertising campaign from our own private resources. A very modest amount of money. And we were very, very pleasantly surprised at how well uh, it increased the reach of the show, not only here in the United States, Uh, but overseas. Uh, It worked very, very well. So with a little bit more in our advertising budget, we can get this show up and running to where it will be within the mainstream and um, begin running on a profit-making basis from advertising revenue in and of itself. So you won't be asking anyone for money at that point uh, within six months or so. So we're very, very hopeful for that. But right now, some little tidbits of information that we wanted to report. So getting back to this COVID-19 debacle, uh, it seems that New York State health officials, according to this article, have underreported COVID-19 related nursing home deaths by as much as 50% in some places, according to the report, as I said before, released by Attorney General Letitia James. Now, Letitia James is not the sharpest knife in the drawer. You may have realized that um, she's the same person who said she was going to take on the NRA right before the election. Not a very smart thing to do. 
when you're trying to dethrone a president. But I guess they didn't care because they knew they had it in the bag because the election was fixed in the swing states with the Dominion voting machines. And I don't care who Dominion is trying to sue. They can go ahead and sue me if they want. I'm not going to change my opinion. That's my opinion, and I'm entitled to it. But Letitia James is visiting her anger on the wrong people. It's a 76-page report. It's available um, in a PDF format. You can read it. Let me read you some pull quotes from the article, uh, from the report, actually. As the pandemic and our investigations continue, it is imperative that we understand why the residents of nursing homes in New York unnecessarily suffered at such an alarming rate. James said in a news release. While we cannot bring back the individuals we lost to the crisis, this report seeks to offer transparency that the public deserves and to spur increased action to protect our most vulnerable residents. Um, Now, these nursing home deaths, as you know, have been a source of criticism against Governor Cuomo, but she doesn't go down that road. We're going to have more on that in a minute. Um, because she's also a Democrat. Um, James, a Democrat, said that uh, Cuomo's policy of ordering recovering nursing home patients um, to be sent to nursing homes to free up hospital bed space may have led to more deaths. Now, I'm surprised that she said that. Cuomo, who has touted his administration's response to the pandemic, has often rejected the notion that this specific policy has led to an increase in deaths. Now, among some of the data that the report highlighted, uh, the New York Health Department's public data undercounted COVID-19 deaths in some nursing homes by as much as 50%, as I said earlier. They found that some nursing homes failed to comply with infection control protocols. Uh, Facilities with lower staff ratings had a higher COVID-19 fatality rates. Insufficient PPE and testing for nursing home staff put residents and staff at increased risk. Owners of for-profit nursing homes have a financial incentive to increase their own profits instead of investing in more staff, PPE, and other safety measures. The Attorney General said that based on these findings, we are still investigating more than 20 nursing homes whose conduct during the first wave was of particular concern. Uh, Let me save you some time, Attorney General. James, let me save you some time. Uh, First of all, while many of those things might be true in terms of insufficient PPE, uh, places with lower staff ratings, uh, not following all the protocols, no doubt some of that happened. But that's not the primary reason that we had so many deaths in New York State nursing homes. Uh, In fact, that's not the primary reason by a long shot. The primary reason is that nursing homes are not hospitals. And they're not equipped to deal with COVID-19 patients. Hospitals deal with COVID-19 patients. For people who are symptomatic, for most of us, we've, we've said this before, for young people, doesn't bother them at all. It seems school-aged children, they don't seem to get bothered by it at all. Most healthy people are not bothered by it. We now know that only 6% of all the people who died from COVID-19 in this country were actually in good health with no other risk factors, meaning 94% had 2.6 on average risk factors, and many of them, uh, that may, one of those major risk factors was that they were elderly. Nursing homes are not equipped. Asking nursing homes to do a job that they were never designed to do or equipped to do, is madness. 
The primary reason that we had so many people dying in nursing homes is because they were wrongfully sent there to begin with by a governor who thinks he knows a lot, but is not the sharpest knife in the drawer. He's dumb as a stump and twice as thick, just like his schmuck brother from CNN, Chris Cuomo. There was absolutely no reason to send any of these people to nursing homes in New York State. None. President Trump had built a 3,000-bed COVID-19-specific hospital at the New York Javits Center. I was there. I rode by it. I live in Manhattan. I rode by it every day during the, the spring and the summer because bicycle riding was about the only thing you could do. All the gyms were closed. Everything was closed. My wife, my son, we'd all go for a bike ride. And I would see these National Guardsmen going to and from. And I would talk to them, these U.S. Army personnel. Got any patients? No, they're not really sending us hardly any. Why? Money, I suspect. I've mentioned this before. If you didn't die in a New York State facility, you didn't get money from the government because that hospital was run by the Army. And still, even though he wasn't sending anyone there, crying. Now, what was the reason for this? Well, because hospitals in the New York area only have so many beds, right? And hospitals are equipped to deal with people who suffer all manner of illness and maladies. So the president's thinking was, why flood the hospitals with all these COVID-19 uh, patients that we're being told we're going to get uh, and prevent the hospitals from dealing with people who have other serious illnesses that are not COVID-related? Instead, let me create a 3,000-bed hospital just for COVID-19 patients so that when we get word that someone has COVID, get them out of the hospital, don't let them out of the, don't let them out of the emergency room to go to the rest of the hospital and infect it, send them over to the, to the army and we'll deal with it. So despite not having utilized that great thing that the president built, the governor cried more and asked for the hospital ship. The hospital ship was there just to take regular patients. The governor cried, no, we need more space for COVID patients. So the president relented and gave them the space for COVID patients, and they proceeded to send no one there. Instead, they sent them all to the nursing homes to infect the other elderly who were never sick and sentenced them to death. Now, that is criminal in nature, in my view. There was absolutely no reason for it, and Cuomo should be held accountable for it. If anybody else had conducted themselves with that standard of negligence, they would be uh, tried and convicted of it. They would definitely be tried of it. Whether it's convicted or not depends on the jury. Uh, it's more of a, trials are more of a game of uh, marketing than they are about fact or fiction or truth or falsehoods. Take it from me. But that's what happened there. In fact, there was a nursing home run by a county, uh, the county of Rensselaer in upstate New York. I've told you about this before. It's on the Vermont state border, Vermont to Massachusetts. And the county executive very quietly told the nursing home not to accept any COVID-19 patients because he was aware of the risk. They didn't lose a single patient to COVID-19 because they didn't allow the contagion to get within their doors. So good luck, Attorney General James, but you need to be investigating your boss, the governor, rather than the nursing homes. On to the next business. The social media people, the people, you know, who like to censor you if you're a conservative or a Trump supporter, well, they're taking it on the chin because apparently a lot of people don't agree with what they're doing. A reader survey 
of more than 3,200 social media users has found that many people have moved away from certain platforms. Facebook lost 43%. Twitter lost 32%. And Instagram lost 16%. The most common reasons given for quitting these platforms were the aforementioned censorship, bias, including censorship of former President Donald Trump. Responses to the surveys included the following. I'm reading right from the article. I don't agree with censorship. It's not a free speech platform. I don't like the censoring that big tech is getting away with. Too many ads, news inserts, and donation requests. Censorship and political bias and privacy concerns. Data harvesting. Censorship, fact-checking nonsense. Partisanship, election interference. My small act of defiance during the fall of the United States of America, meaning people are saying we're not going down without a fight. It's too woke. And the last one, because they banned Trump. And there you have it. Twitter permanently removed Trump from its platform back in early January due to the risk of further incitement of violence. Now, that is about as laughable as you can possibly imagine. That's, I find that almost as laughable as when the uh, New York City Fire Department said they needed a scuba team so they could fight underwater pier fires. Uh, I mean, really, this is a, a, a platform, Twitter, that promotes violence all the time. They support Black Lives Matter. They were used by Black Lives Matter and Antifa to coordinate things. They called for violence all the time. And now because they don't like the people who are doing the alleged violence, all of a sudden they're persona non grata. But that's what's happening. Almost a third of the people who responded to this survey said they had friends or followers uh, removed from their social media accounts. Uh, It used to be that communist countries and third world dictatorships would censor free speech. Now private companies are doing it here in the United States as part of the liberal movement. So I think that there's going to be a wake-up call here for the um, social media companies, and I think that the entrepreneurial environment is ripe for some conservative to come along to formulate or form uh, alternative sources of communication. I'd love to see someone come up with a uh, competitive platform that could challenge Facebook. Maybe we can call it the right book, Uh, something that would challenge Twitter. We had that with Parler, but they're doing everything to get rid of them. But I think Parler will come back. And once they're back, I think they're going to come roaring back because people are waiting to get on Parler. People who hadn't even been on it yet are are chomping at the bit to be able to get on it once it comes back. But moving over to President Trump and the impeachment trial, we obliquely referenced uh, yesterday or the day, not yesterday, the day before, that the impeachment trial of of a president it's always of a sitting president, uh, is always presided over in the Senate by the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, which in this case is John Roberts. John Roberts is not going to preside. He's already said he wants no part of it. That's raised a lot of constitutional concerns among those opposed to it. Okay? Uh, the Senate Majority Leader Schumer has already said he doesn't want to participate. He went on to say that the Constitution says the Chief Justice presides for a sitting president. I think it doesn't say that, Senator Schumer. I think if I looked at it, it would probably say the Chief Justice presides over the impeachment of a president. 
it presumes that the man is sitting because you can't impeach a man who's no longer president. The whole purpose of an impeachment is to remove a president from office. You can't remove someone who's already gone. So he, he says it, so it's, it was up to John Roberts whether or not he wanted to preside with a president who's no longer sitting. Perhaps John Roberts doesn't want to do it because he knows he can't. Schumer has argued that the impeachment trial of a president once he left office is constitutional and vowed to go through with it. Now, why is it I have this sinking feeling that if it were a Democrat who had left office and the Republicans were going to try and impeach him after he left, although we all know that they wouldn't because they have no balls, uh, that Schumer would suddenly be saying it's unconstitutional to impeach a former president. This is so partisan. This is such political theater. It's not even funny. So who's going to preside over it? Well, the president pro tempore of the Senate. And who is that now that the uh, Democrats have control and it's no longer Chuck Grassley? Well, it is none other than Senator Depends, Patrick Leahy, that tottering, teetering old fart from that Nerve Center for International Affairs, Vermont, 49th in population out of 50. No one lives there, and he gets to preside over the impeachment trial. Now, no response yet from the Supreme Court about why John Roberts doesn't want to preside, but I think I already told you why. Uh, Rand Paul has said that the Constitution says two things about impeachment. It is a tool to remove the office holder, and it must be presided over by the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court. Just as I said, it doesn't say that it, the Chief Justice must preside over the impeachment of a sitting president. That's what Schumer would like you to think it says. And that's what the Democrats always do with the Constitution. They give you this nonsense that it's a living document. It's not a living document. It is a fixed document. It means what it says. It says what it means. And the only reason why someone would treat it as a living document would be to manipulate it, twist it, deform it, coerce it, any way they could to try and make it say something that it doesn't because they have an agenda. That's just how they got the right to a federally guaranteed right to abortion. I'm not even addressing whether abortion is right or wrong. But it's not a federally guaranteed right unless you take the Constitution, twist it, and say that the right to privacy automa- automatically assumes the right to abortion. And that's the, the real reason most conservatives don't like the Roe v. Wade decision. They may, some people may not even be opposed to abortion, but they oppose that decision because of what it does to try and create a right that doesn't exist. Because once you artificially create one right, You can create all manner of other things, good and bad. So uh, we don't go around, we don't go down that road. We think we should have justices who are constitutional originalists. But Rand Paul said, again, that the Constitution says two things about impeachment. It's a tool to remove an office holder, because don't forget, impeachment can also work for senators, it can also work for federal judges and so forth. And it has to be presided over by the Supreme Court. Neither one of those things will happen. President Trump is gone, and Justice Roberts properly noticing the absence of an office holder being impeached is declining to preside. That settles it for me. As I said before, 
Rand Paul is one of the most principal members of the United States Senate. He already got everybody on record with a vote. 45 senators, 45 out of 50 Republicans, all 45 were Republicans, said that it's unconstitutional to impeach President Trump. We have to assume that 45 of them, if an impeachment is forced through by some artifice, uh, are going to vote to acquit President Trump. So this is an exercise in futility. It requires 67 votes to impeach him. Therefore, it would require 67 votes to try and get some type of sanction that says he's forbidden from holding public office again. Um, I think this is doing more to try and they may be doing this because they're fearful of Trump and also because they want to splinter the Republican Party. But as long as the Republican senators hold strong, uh, that won't happen. But the five senators who have joined with the Democrats, and I've already told you who they are, Murkowski uh, from Alaska, Susan Collins from Maine, Pat Toomey from Pennsylvania, um, Ben Sass from Nebraska, and that real piece of refuse, Mitt Romney from Utah. Those people were going to have to primary challenge. Even John Cornyn, who didn't do much for President Trump uh, in his fight to get the Electoral College redone, said the Constitution requires the Chief Justice to preside over the impeachment trial of a president, and that his absence is indicative of the fact that we're in uncharted waters. Well, that's a, that's a pretty nice way of talking about it. Okay. Oh, another little tidbit I got to tell you. On Tuesday, Senator Depends, I think people think I was joking, he was taken to the hospital. It was under observation before he was released hours earlier. So who knows if he's even going to be around for this impeachment trial. <laughs> One final thought before we leave today. I wanted to talk about the future. Everybody has been speculating since President Trump has left office what he intends to do. Well, Rona McDaniel, you heard that name? She is the Republican National Committee chairwoman, and she is now saying that the RNC is declining to back any presidential primary candidate in 2024, even if former President Trump runs again. The party has to stay neutral. I'm not telling anybody to run or not to run. This is what she said to the Associated Press. That's going to be up to those candidates going forward. What I really want to see him do, referring to Trump, though, is to help us win back majorities in 2022. Is that what you want to see him do? Maybe you should see your way clear to help President Trump. Because if you're any kind of chairperson of the RNC, you have to know this election was stolen. And if you don't know that or don't believe that or don't want to believe it, you need to go. Because the overwhelming majority of Republican registered voters in this country, Ms. Daniels, love and support President Trump. You're not coming out in support of him is not going to serve either you or the Republican National Committee well. All you're going to do is fortify the move for a third party. Now, President Trump, what what I was told earlier, what I read earlier, uh, a quote from a close advisor, supposedly is that Trump plans to be very influential and very active in Republican politics, and that he has no interest in pursuing a third party. But you keep making stupid statements like this about you're going to stay neutral or not coming out in support of the most popular candidate the Republicans have had in, uh, in my lifetime next to Ronald Reagan. 
you're making a grave error. And you may very well light the fires of a third party within President Trump, because if anyone could launch a third party and make a success of it, and it won't just be a presidential only party, but a party from top down, it's Donald J. Trump. And when he makes this third party, it's going to be exactly what I said. It's not going to be a party in addition to the Republican Party and the Democratic Party. It's going to be a party in place of the Republican Party. He will destroy the Republican Party. You won't be able to get arrested if you run on the Republican ticket by the time Donald Trump gets his third party going. So go ahead and tempt fate and take this this fancy line that we have to stay neutral. We have to do this. Wasn't it that idiot Curly Hugland? When Trump was first running in the 2016 primary saying, oh, what the voters have to understand is that the, uh, the voters don't pick the candidate. The party picks the candidate. Well, what do you know? We all thought we were going to the primary so we could pick the candidate. And now we're being told by Curly Hugland, what a name that is, that we don't have any say-so. It's just an exercise in futility. The party decides who they want. So the party's always decided who they want. But now in 2024, Ms. Daniels, the party has to remain neutral. Spare me. This is going to be the death of the Republican Party if you don't get your act together. And quite frankly, I will be happy to dance on your grave. Because what you establishment Republicans did, or I should say, what you glaringly failed to do to stand up and fight for what was patently a fraudulent election is a disgrace. As you sow, you reap, and you'll get what you deserve. For National Preview Online, I'm Jamie Dury.